you're in the social media uh, lesson today as we continue our, our series on technology for the glory of God. Our lesson is called, What Would Jesus Tweet? WWJT, okay? So um, this is part one of a, of a two-part series. We're going to talk about social media today, and then we'll go next week and talk about what do we do as Christians about that. So look at the introduction here. I was shocked when I, when I found this. In January of 2012, Facebook conducted a one-week experiment on nearly 700,000 users. They edited the news feeds of these users to see how it would affect them emotionally. Or another way to, to say that would be to see whether or not they can have a real effect on their users. Some of these users were shown more positive and happy posts than the average user sees. And another group was shown posts that were sadder than the <coughs> average uh, person sees. The result was what you would expect. Users who saw ha happier posts made happy posts themselves. And while those who s saw sad posts made sad posts. Um, when this was, came out in, I think, 2014 is when this was discovered and talked about. And I, I was surprised. I had never heard of it. Um, but what is your reaction when you hear about that, that statement or that experiment? I would say it's their ability to control emotions. Yeah. So they, they have, as Facebook, the ability to affect the emotions of its users. <clears throat> Is that good or bad? That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> yep, I agree. That's bad. Was, is anybody shocked to hear that they did it? <laughs> no. <laughs> They have hundreds of research scientists who do this job, and it was human experimentation when the human experiments, one, did not know that they were being experimented on, two, they did not consent to it, which has massive ethical concerns on its own. And so that's, that is the big thing, is like, how were they able to do this? How did they get away with this? And the argument is, and I'm not sure it's a strong argument, but the terms of service. When we sign up for these things, how many of us read what we're signing up for? Not me. Okay. <laughs> and this is for anything. This is when you go, when you get a Facebook profile, a Twitter profile. It's not just social media. That's like any profile that you ever do, any technology that you buy. There are terms of service that I don't think most of us read. Uh, and in those terms of service, they sneak in some things. In fact, as a joke, um, in this book he talks about, as, a, as kind of a joke, that iTunes, Apple had in their app, iTunes Terms of Service said that you cannot, you're agreeing to not make atomic weapons with these, with iTunes. And so, and I, it's just to see who's reading it, you know, and, which is this many people. So, so that's, the concern is that Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of, all of these companies, we don't even know what we're agreeing to. What we're giving them permission to do with our information or with our news feeds or all of that stuff. So there, again, a lot, there's a lot we could say and discuss along these topics. We could probably spend months talking about the different platforms and, and what we should and shouldn't post and what we should and shouldn't do. What do we do about virtual reality? There, there's a lot of things that we could do. We could call them rabbit trails. Um, and maybe it's more like you know, thinking about the off-ramps or on-ramps on a highway. But they are major concerns. Um, but we're not, we don't have the time, and it probably isn't the right context to discuss all of those aspects. Um, so there might be questions that we try, that I might just kind of redirect, and we'll say, hey, we'll talk later about that, or we'll discuss that at another time, and, and by all means, we'll continue to have those conversations. But for our purposes, we're going to try to keep it to... Um, just the reality of the situation, trying not to get into one political ideology or another, um, because both sides are, are kind of involved in this desire to influence people, influence voters and things. Um, companies are trying to influence the way we feel about different uh, social topics. And some of that we've already discussed. But our objectives today, 
Um, if you look there, there's two of them. I want us to be aware of how social media companies function and to be intentional in how we choose to use them. And that's one. And then to do that, we're, we're going to consider what social media companies do to make money as well as what they do to connect us with other people, which are kind of their two stated goals, which I kind of gave it away now. Number two, what is a social media company trying to do? Why do they exist? Make money. To make money by doing what? Ad revenue and selling mm -hmm. stuff. But like, what is what do you think their mission statements are? Like, why why does why does Facebook say it exists, or YouTube, or to connect people? To connect people. So we've got these two balancing acts. So you've got on one side their their mission is to build relationships, connections, and and stuff. And if you go flip to the next page, there's some I've got some samples there. Um, these, I just, you know, quick Google search and you can see, I just took the, the platform out, but you can see some of these, their stated goals are to make the world more open and connected, to capture and share the world's moments, <coughs> to inspire creativity and bring joy. And then one said, we believe in, that reinventing the camera represents our greatest opportunity to improve the way people live and communicate <coughs> and to give everyone a voice and show them the world. So that's on one hand, if you kind of distill those, they're like, they want people interacting, sharing, communicating with other people that you normally would not be able to communicate with or share with. But we're gonna start with the first one that Joe brought up is the, is the money. How is the way that social media companies make money different from the way other companies make money? They're able to see who they can track. If you even if it even catches your eye, and you try you read it, you open it up, you read it. Mm -hmm. They're keeping track of, of that, not necessarily where the other companies are more whether you're not too far. Mm -hmm. But then they can feed you more of the same. And, that, and that's true. I, I'm going to go even more found fundamental than that because I think that's a, a, an implication that's coming in this moment. Like what when we go to Walmart, why do we go to Walmart? Goods. To buy things. So there's a there's a transfer of goods for our money, or if you go to like a lawn, you hire somebody to mow your lawn, there's a service provided, right? So that's how they make money. We pay what we're willing to pay for that service or that good, right? Social media is free, right? I don't pay to get a Facebook account. So how are they making money? And it's primarily, Joe had touched on it earlier, how, how are they making money? By having users, they have a bigger audience, which then <clears throat> can sell more advertisements because they have a bigger audience. There it is, advertisements. So advertisements are how these social media companies make <coughs> a lot of money. Now, look at, why do you think they chose to do that rather than, like, just you have to pay for your profile? Why not just charge a like a monthly fee, Facebook to use your Facebook account and do that? Why do they choose to set up their business model on advertising? You can get more people on there, and uh, you can get one person to see hundreds and hundreds of ads, and mm -hmm. make more money than just one kind of thing. Yeah, it's effective. So you get millions of people using your platform, and then what does that do to a Facebook who has? over a billion users. That's a lot of eyes. And so you are very attractive to a company like Coca-Cola or Walmart. Name your company. You see that many eyes, that many people interacting with your content. Now that's a major attractive element for, a, for any company. Facebook alone received $115 billion last year, 2021, from advertising <coughs> in one year. They've got 
Instagram made over $26 billion from advertisers. And you can just go on. These, every social media company is making billions of dollars. Not, not, now, Facebook is by far the biggest. Um, Twitter and, and some of those other ones are like six, eight, four billion dollars every year that they're bringing in uh, in advertising dollars. So can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. Clear my mind. Yeah. So the companies, Walmart is paying them. Okay. Yes. All these companies are paying them. Now, now that now that's the same. So if we just left it there, it's the same as any other. Like, why do you buy an, a commercial on the Super Bowl? Because there's millions of people watching, and you're just kind of trying to get some of them as many as possible to see your products or your services and hopefully they act on it, right? But there's something different about social media. There's a, there's a reason why, like on, on TV, there, there's, that's a popular way to advertise, it's commercials, it's what they're doing is they're trying to figure out who are the people who are most likely to buy my product, what are they watching on TV? I'm gonna go to the, to the network, CNN or Fox or whatever it is, and I'm gonna try and, and make an ad that shows at this certain time because that's my target audience that I want to hear, I want to see. Now for social media though, that it's, it's a little different. Well, maybe a lot different. They can probably prove to advertisers they're getting the exact target they want, right? The reason that it's different is because how much does Facebook know about you? Everything. Everything. <laughs> Almost everything. Like a lot of things, and you'd be shocked to know because we're going to talk about it in just a minute. But Facebook knows a lot about you, and then they're able to say to these companies, I can target whatever audience you want me to target. Give me a list of the demographics, and I will give you a bucket of millions of users, and I can, we can show them. That is extremely valuable to a company. If Coca-Cola knows the, the ages and the genders and the career paths of, of people who are most likely to drink Coke, they can go to Facebook and say, hey, I want this age uh, at this time of day, and all of those things, and, they can, and Facebook will sell them the right to put an advertisement. Now, let's just think about uh, the, the amount of information that social media companies have about us. So what do you tell Facebook, and maybe not you specifically, because what does the average person tell Facebook about just to make a profile? What are the kinds of information that Facebook knows? Birth date, where you live, what you do for a living, where you went to school. Okay. To set it, just to set it up, you give them, now, even let's take one step back, you give them contact information, so they know where you live. They might know where, like your actual address. They know your phone number. They know where you live. They know uh, your name. They know your birthday. They know um, what political affiliation you have. They know your religious views. You know, conservative, Christian, or you know, atheist, they know that information about you. So, and that, that is just, we're just giving it to them, right? So, anything else just to make the profile that you can think of? What else do they know about us just by making the profile? You identify people as your friends. Who our friends are? Family. Family members. Where you were born. Where we were born. Mm -hmm. Where I went to high school. Where I went to college. Who you're with. Who I'm with. Somehow, you know, it says like, you know, you see somebody's post and it says you're in with so yeah. never had understood. Your relationship status, <laughs> if you're married or single. Okay. I think marketplace too, like what you've recently sold, they'll ask you on marketplace, like, did you sell this on Facebook? They'll know if you have a, a, a certain amount of cash in your pocket because you just sold something on marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of implications. I think. So, so yeah. So on the profile side, that's that's all the information. Then then you get to like what you share on like what you post about. Okay. So by using Facebook, what are we sharing with them? Where our interests are. Where what our interests are. So like they they can read every single post we've ever made, every comment we've made on you know 
What's on your mind today? Well, let me tell you. And so you, every comment you've ever, every post you've ever shared, they've got it. Okay? And it's been analyzed. Everything you've liked, every time you've clicked the little thumbs up or the like button, the love button, they know everything that you love and everything that makes you go ha 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 and everything that makes you angry by those little buttons that you push. Okay? They know every meme you've clicked on, every picture that you've clicked on. Every video that you've watched, even if you didn't watch the whole thing, they know how long you watched it. Okay? So all that using, not only that, but if you've got the app and you haven't been, been careful with the settings that you have on there, they know everywhere you go. Everywhere you take a picture. Everywhere I take a picture. If I upload a picture, they know where that picture was taken. They know everybody you're tagging in that picture. Russell talked about it. When, if I go on Marketplace and I buy something or I sell something, they know it. Okay. They, they see all the communication and the private messages that I send back and forth with that person. Even what you like to cook. Especially. Okay. And that, so that, yeah, that's getting into the that next call of consumption. They, they know what we're clicking on, what we're using, what we're listening to through their website. They know our daily habits. Whenever They know how often you check in and what time and how long. There's even, this was another kind of semi-terrifying thing that I figured out, or I read. There are things called Facebook pixels. Is what I don't know if that's just this author's name for it, but Facebook will go to all these other websites and they'll put a little like a little portal, basically. So when I go and do online shopping at Amazon, they send information back that's linked to my Facebook profile. So that Facebook now knows all the things that I'm shopping for. They know the favorite teams that I'm looking for on ESPN. They know all of the, all of the websites that I'm going to are shuttling information back to Facebook. They also have messages. So all of the, all of the conversations you think are private are not private. Okay. We were checking out new phones. Um, they're all like facial rec recognition now to get into get into your phone. So that technology also is really. Um, getting more integrated into the whole system. Think about where that could go. <laughs> Yikes. Now, um, uh, for what it's worth, I, I think the author makes a distinction between different types of companies and, and what they're, how, how secure they are, what, how they try to maintain privacy and, and um, the rights for, with your information. Um, the example he gives is he would, he would never have an, an Alexa, but he uses Surrey. And he points to the, the fact that, or well, the Apple philosophically is more committed to your privacy than Google. So, and so that would be a distinction that the author makes. That I, I mean, I'm just gonna throw that out there. I'm not sure how you feel about that. I'm not sure how I feel about it really. But um, the the idea that I've got my Alexa Echo Dot or whatever those things are called, and I say, Hey Alexa. And it listens to everything I say and records it. I'm not completely convinced that it's not listening when I don't say Alexa. But you know, that's maybe I'm a little conspiratorial. But that's uh, I, I would never like. I was gifted one of those before, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> you have to back. You can give it to somebody else. But um, thanks for the thought. But it was just that makes me uncomfortable. There, and I didn't know half of what I, I know after reading this book and now I'm, I'm never going to get one you know but so there's a lot of concerning realities about how these companies and how, how these technologies work can't they even turn your computer on remotely and you know view you I've had Conversations with people 
sudden their camera comes mm -hmm. on. And know, so I would say the technology that allows for someone remotely to c control your device does exist. Um, I don't know much more than that. I don't know how often that happens. I know that like on some, some devices, you'd have, there's a, there's a light that comes on. Like on my, one of my computers for that I have to work. If, uh, if the camera is being used, there's a little green light that shows. Now, I don't know. I don't, there's, there's other things that we could get along these rabbit trails and talk about. Well, is it really there though? Is somebody really trying? I don't know. But I, uh, it is good to know all of these things. How, do, how should this affect us? Just in a real practical sense. <clears throat> The question becomes, are you comfortable with being the product? Because if you're not paying for something, you are the product. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a saying that he references in the book, too, is like, is, is if, the, if the product, if, if there's nothing that you're paying, if it's, a f if it's free, you're the product. And he, and he goes a step further and he says, it's, it's actually worse than that. Like, you are something, that, what they're really after is not really you. They don't care about you care about our emotions or our um, desires, our you know, goals in life. They don't care about They want the data that they can mine from us. So he uses the, an illustration of an oil rig. We're the oil rig. The data is the oil. They're, that's what they're after. They get as much data that becomes more valuable to the advertisers who they can then get their money from by giving your data to them. You know about that thing where you're talking around your phone and it starts popping up advertisements by your recorder? Uh -huh. uh -huh. I read a thing that was saying that you should turn off the uh, AI person on your phone. Mm -hmm. You know, like, hey Siri, when you yeah. Siri pops on. Turn that off where it's always listening because the mic's always on uh -huh. when that's happening. And when you turn it off, it can't listen anymore and you have to actually click a button Mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. to, to talk to you. Yeah, turn off the voice activation. I, I would say that there's a couple of things. Cause we, we, I hear a lot, like, and you've probably heard somebody say, you know what, I was talking to a friend the other day about such and such, and then all of a sudden there's a there's an advertisement that came up. And, and I, yeah, that's, that's unnerving and a little creepy and weird. But I, I think it, it may not be that they're like listening. I think we are not incredibly complex people right if we just talk about all the information that I willingly give them do I think that they can't guess what I'm gonna want okay and that's not even talking about like the things that I post about like oh now well, flat tire again you know they they know that and what are they gonna do like oh this guy needs tires hey Michelin you know that that's we are very predictable and so I don't think it takes some kind of like super invasive, like they're listening to all of our conversations necessarily. I think we're giving it to them. With enough data too, it's like any kind of trend, you can find uh, any kind of trend line to 95, 99% certainty, and we give them myriads and myriads and myriads <laughs> of data too. So I think part of it too is just the, the matter of chance, like at some point they're gonna guess mm -hmm. things that you're, you're even talking about now because yeah. of the amount of data that we've given them. Yeah. We are very, we're creatures of habit. We um, have patterns to everyday living. And they have algorithms and, and just computers that analyze and find patterns better than we can do our own selves. I, I line up all of your information and I might be able to make some guesses about what you want or what you might need or what you love or what you hate. Their, their computers are remarkably efficient at determining all of those things. And they, and they, don't, have to, they don't have to listen in on my conversations to know that. I've already given it to them. So, yeah. Now, he's, it's interesting because he starts the book out with a couple of illustrations and, he, and he, there's the old story about um, an older fish swimming in the pond, and he swims by some younger fish, and he says, "How's the water today, boys?" And they just kind of, you know, smile and they swim on. And one, one of the younger fish turns to the other one and says, "What's water?" Yeah, and it, it's the the illustration is like when you grow up in something, when you're in something so often, you forget what it's, what it's like to be different. 
And, and he, his statement at the beginning of the book, he's like, I'm not here to, to ask you or to tell you anything about the water other than the water's poisoned. <laughs> he says, and that's it. But the problem is, and he admits this in the book, is there's, social media is not going anywhere. There's going to be, even if you have, if you delete all your accounts, you never get on Facebook again, Facebook will <clears throat> invade through your friends and family and things. There's, there's no way to completely shut that off, to unring the bell. You know, it, it's here. So, and again, this is, so next week we're going to talk about what's now, what do we do? What do we do about that? But I, I wanted to, again, make us all aware. These are the these are the way that this functions. Okay, and as we go now, so that's the money side. That's just the money. Now let's let's go over to maybe some of the social problems that we see, and we sometimes we just attribute to well, social media these days. These kids on Facebook or TikTok or whatever they're in. Let's let's explore that a little bit. So turn the page. So and we're now we're going to move to the stated goal of a, of a social media company. That is to connect people, to have them interact with one another. And they have really warm, fuzzy ways of saying it in their mission statements. But um, what types of people do you connect with on social media? People who think like we do, right? That's the, va the vast majority of the people. Like, who do you follow? You probably don't like subscribe to the blog of or the Facebook page. You're not a fan of, of people that ideologically are different, right? So the friends that I have on Facebook are going to be people who pretty much like the same things that I like, or they're from the same place that I'm from, or they voted similar ways that I vote. They believe similarly to, to what I believe. Because what do you do if you've got somebody on your feet who's always saying things that are against what you say and what you think or what you believe? Unfriend, right? Like, so the people that we connect with are going to be people who are primarily like us. How does social media assist us in that in that process. I think the algorithms do if we like certain things with certain topics, certain keywords, um, the algorithms show us what we want. And so um, I think Facebook has been a little nonchalant. They've been trying to be nonchalant about this in the past, but they're more they're more um, like outspoken about it now. Like if you like certain people's posts you're gonna see those mm -hmm. more often in your feed, you know, and so um, yeah, so you tend to you tend to see what you like. Um, on Facebook and Twitter and all right. They suggest people they think you'll be like, or that you will like. Or, not only or that, they restrict the posts that you see to only those which you've interacted with, to only those which you've liked. And so mm -hmm. you have to go out of your way to see um, folks on your on your profile whom you haven't liked posts mm -hmm. from in a long time or something, yeah. like, something along those lines. We're gonna get to, we're gonna get back to that. I think Mark also you mentioned something a little bit earlier. They will they will either give you everything you like, everything you agree with, or they will put some things in there that you hate, that you radically disagree with. Why would they do that? I think it creates a big division versus where our social media is. It's got these guys on one side and the other guys on the other. You feed that monster on both sides, that's what's created this huge division. I think that is that is an effect. I, I think um, and that's a huge problem. A huge problem is is we're going to talk about the polarization. Like we there's less and less in the middle. We're either extremely against this thing or we're extremely uh, for this thing. And I don't I don't think that that's probably their intention. Generating impressions is their intention. They want you to click on something. They want you to interact with something. And if, what they that's do it. is they key in on those visceral. So it's it's either. The, the visceral response either way, either like that, that massive 
um, brain function that's saying, yes, I really enjoy this, right? And those endorphins, you know, kick off, or the, on, the, on the opposite end of the spectrum, that makes me really angry. I'm gonna comment 45 times to the stranger that I don't know in the comments section about Star Wars, theology, implications, and you know, I'm just gonna do those kind of things. That's exactly, so, so if we go back to the, the oil rig thing, what they're after our data, and how do they get our data? They, we have to engage with something. What gets more the most engagement? Things that make me angry, or things that make me really happy. Those are the things that, that engage us. So they are intentionally, in order to get more data, to make more ad revenue, they will suggest things that you either agree with and like and love to get you to click on it, to get you to interact with it, to read it, to skim it, to comment on it, to like it, all of that stuff. Or can you believe what candidate X did? This is what they did. Conspiracy theory. And this is like that kind of stuff because what happens? We, we have a, a response, really angry, how dare they do that? Or, man, I really like that guy, he's so, I'm gonna follow him, I'm gonna, that engagement, the more we engage with something, the more they're gathering, okay? So that's their goal, and, and the effect is exactly what Mark said, we are getting farther and farther apart, there's more and more division, because of the nature of what the content we're seeing has on us. Brock, would you, would you uh, also say that it, it would probably be wise for us to consider too that these aren't just capitalistic decisions, mm -hmm. this isn't just about the bottom line in every respect, that these corporations are mm -hmm. part of this world system that's broken, that is sin, sinfully corrupted, mm -hmm. and so there are certain criteria or certain, certain aspects of it where yes, this is about the bottom line, but I think that as we've seen in the past, you know, eight to 10 years, like there are certain ideological positions that these companies will force down your throat. Um, and it's not about the ad revenue, it's just mm -hmm. strictly about ideology, would you agree? Like, I would, I, and I think that's, that is a, a fairly um, recent, mm -hmm. so I, th I think the foundation of all this is, is primarily about money, but I think as we go along and, and the fact that we are so polarized and, and di divided on these things. I think now you're seeing some of these companies who are now like, but I, even the companies though, and when I think about Target, for example, and the things that they push, why are they doing that? There, there is an element of that that they, they are doing that because they think that it'll be attractive to their customer base. And so when they promote transgenderism or homosexuality or all of those other other things that, and I, I don't mean to pick on Target, but they are one of the ones that do that, mm -hmm. uh, that are pretty vocal about it. Um, why are they doing that? Now, they, they probably do believe that, truly, but if they thought this would be really bad for Target, or shareholders, and all that, <coughs> probably wouldn't do it. But I, So I think, yeah, money and ideology increasingly are, is becoming a, more of a factor for, for people on Facebook, um, Twitter is in this big shuffle right now because they had a, a lot of employees with a certain ideology, and now some of that is shifting with the new owner, and, and things are are there's a lot of uh, consternation there. Um, but that things are changing based on the ideology of who is in control of Twitter right now, and and so that that definitely does the ideology of the people is is always there, and then. To, to Russell's broader point, I mean, everything is broken, right? We're in a fallen world, uh, and so things don't do the miracles that we expect them to. They are not the cure-all to anything. We just, it's broken in a different way. You know, there's so much to say about this, but um, I was in journalism <coughs> school when I was uh, going through college, mm -hmm. and uh, my journalism, teacher, he became a Christian, but he said like 95%, at least 95% of the people he knew in journalism are Democrat. So they have an ideology that is going to follow with that. And they, he said, there's no such thing as unbiased journalism anymore. And this was back in 1992. So <laughs> just imagine what it is now today. We have to, as Christians, not, you know, to be naive and just think, well, this is just, you know, neutral. Um, because there is such that ideology factor is so powerful and Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Um, 
Francis Schaeffer, I remember seeing that, how, how shall we then live? He said, whoever controls the, um, the media, back in then it was just the three channels, is gonna be able to control the population with the uh, ideologies that they have and how important that is for today. And social media really controls that. For example, that libs of TikTok, I don't know if you guys read that, that um, they were shadow banned. I'm not sure exactly what that means but like seven or eight times, and they didn't do anything that was against the policies, it's just because of their ideology. And they were just exposing mm -hmm. what the teachers were trying to say in their schools and bragging about their indoctrinating the kids. And they were exposing that, but because the ideology of the TikTok, whatever it is, same thing with Twitter and what's being exposed with Twitter, you know, um, there is that ideology factor that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, there's just like they can amplify certain things that they want you to see because you'll probably need to that they can, based on ideology, they can do the opposite. They can quiet some things that they don't want you to see based on their ideology. So that, yeah, that, that kind of stuff happens also. I mean, and, and we don't really even know how often and how much it's happening. Sometimes we get a little glimpse of, of something is exposed and you kind of get an idea of how much it's, it's happening. Um, but there's, yeah, it, it happens. So the shadow banning and that kind of stuff, just like the amplifying of this product because they paid us lots of money. Peggy, I was you? just gonna say, I mean, Hitler used the media, and he acknowledged that the media was very powerful in influencing hate against the Jews. Mm -hmm. You know, so he showed these videos and all this kind of stuff to really incite the Germans against, you know, yeah, and there's there's a lot of so the next the next question is the weaknesses or dangers of this way of connecting when I'm just seeing the people who I like who are like me who think like me believe like me um, is you've heard the term echo chamber probably in the news um, and it's usually whatever your side on calling the others they're just in an echo chamber they only like it's this idea that I'm only hearing people who agree with me. And I, so I, I can't even consider that someone might have a different opinion or why they might have. They must just hate people. They're just evil, scum of the earth. And that's a result of me only hearing people like me saying things like I say, believing things like I believe, getting the, the information that I get. So there's this echo chamber that each of us can be in and it's not just the other side in their echo chamber we have to be intentional if we're going to avoid that that danger okay and and a lot of this uh, hopefully by the end of by the end of our time here this morning what i want us to do is just be aware and that's that's the first step right you've got to figure out that this is how this stuff operates not to terrify you but because this is going to have, hopefully, an impact on how much you use social media, what you use it for, how you post, all of those different things. Because it's not just <coughs> Facebook out of the goodness of their heart want to give you a platform to, to say stuff, you know? Um, there's, there's some dangers to what you share. There's, there's one story of, of a, a mother who... Um, had twin babies who were born prematurely and she took a picture and was sharing it on Instagram and asking for prayers. This Christian uh, who was doing this. And what someone else took her picture of her twins and said, hey, we need help with our medical bills and set up a, a GoFundMe type thing and was making money off this lady's picture. And, and things like that happen quite often. Like there are ways that you, that what I'm sharing and posting up about my family or my situation myself can be used for bad purposes by some other badly motivated person. Now she did not intend to do anything wrong, right? She didn't. She didn't think that that would happen. And, and I just try to imagine how I would feel if that happened to me. That would be infuriating, I would think. And 
I mean, there's a lot of feelings, but you know, so that is, we have, if we're aware that those things can happen, we're aware of how Facebook or Instagram or whatever, insert your favorite platform is using what I'm giving them, then that will affect on how, how we interact with that, that platform. Your privacy settings are just a joke. I mean, they don't do anything. Well, I, I think in, in theory, you, we should look at our privacy settings and, and really do some restricting. Um, but it's a, it, that, and that's a trade off. They'll say, well, if you turn this off, you won't get personalized advertisements. Bummer. No, but like, we're, we're going to be trading some convenience if we really restrict things. And that's a, that's a price that we're, are you willing to pay? Yeah, probably ought to. <laughs> but so the privacy settings, and, and that's going back to the comment he makes about um, Apple and their philosophy on user privacy, um, and and are they really committed to it versus Facebook, and where he he would see, he would make the distinction, and it makes sense to me. I just don't. I'm, I'm not. I haven't looked into it too much, but it makes sense that like Apple if it's really in their philosophy and if they're really willing to risk and make some of these apps mad by giving you the option as a user of the iPhone or the iPod or whatever it is to know they, they have to ask you if they can track certain things. And I say no. And that, that makes those folks mad because they want data from you as, they, as you use their app. If, if Apple is truly committed to that, then you could probably trust them a little bit more than you would trust Facebook. If Facebook says, yeah, yeah, you just, we'll never do it. Promise, you know, and and maybe they're maybe they're being honest with you, maybe they're not, because they they've already kind of shown through the certain you know, the uh, we talked at the very beginning about the experiment and things that they're willing to do to try and get you engaged with their platform. How much you you ought to trust them when they say that they, okay we won't now. Oops, I mean. It must not have been working right, or algorithm. Right. So we tweaked it, we fixed it. Now you can trust us. You know, that. You know, that's up to you. You know, as you think through that and, and try to use wisdom to make those decisions. It's, it's just a some that you're you're trusting a company with that information. Chris, did you want to say something? Real quick? The thing with Apple is an easy one though, because Apple's a product company, not a software. Mm -hmm. Apple's a lifestyle company. Apple sells a vision of you as a person, not you as your data. That, and that's like, if you want to go and work with companies like that, sell a company that's selling a product and not you as the product. Like you buy a $1,400 phone and then they lock it up for you and they create a beautiful walled garden of their environment and their experience mm -hmm. because they're a products company. They, and it's a products company that's a lifestyle company. Mm -hmm. it, like, you have the Apple phone so you can lord over your friends and family that you have the right color bubbles or whatever that thing is. But with that, you get the privacy benefit because they're mm -hmm. a Harvard company. Yeah. So, next part here. We're going to go through this really fast here. The perfect storm, point five. Social media is not the great evil that causes all of the ills in our society. However, it does provide the environment for problems and ills to grow and thrive. There's little being done to combat the negative conditions that become the stage for so much sin. As Christians and biblical counselors, we must be aware of how social media contributes to the real problems in our own hearts and minds. And that I want to emphasize that because it's very easy to say those high schoolers over there, those, those junior hires who have phones, it's, it's a problem for them they're going to be what about me and it's also easy in a biblical counseling class to say well I'm the, I'm the biblical counselor I'm the discipler so I'm going to look for ways to help these other people who aren't as godly as me even though we might not say it like that but I think in this particular one this is uh, very pervasive so I do want us to think okay my own heart my own mind how am I being affected by my use of social media? Um, and then, and then extend that. Then we can extend that to those who are counseling and who are discipling. 
This following list is, is <clears throat> many of these are from the book mentioned uh, earlier, the Terms of Service. Um, we're going to briefly discuss what each of these are uh, and then move on. But <clears throat> there's a couple of here that I've, I've changed a little bit of the wording or I've added a couple of things. So there are, this is a list that um, <coughs> he talks about. If you are interested in this list, this, it's a very, it's a, it's a good book. It's pretty short. It doesn't take a real, real long time to read. So I would encourage you to, if you're really interested in these things, go ahead and look in, into that book. But <clears throat> the first one, uh, the first way that, that social media influences us um, changes us is through tribalism and that's another buzzword right now but tribalism is this instinct to band together with people who are like us to defend ourselves from others who might want to take or attack us um, and this I mean historically you can see how this that's like a physical sense like my group of people have to defend ourselves from this invading group of people who want to take our stuff or whatever um, and then but now it's more like ideological Right? So that kind of tribalism, <clears throat> but it's not just often to defend ourselves, but it's also to attack others that we view as, as a threat. Okay? Um, <clears throat> and he talks a little bit about it, it's a cheap tribalism today. Historically, like we mentioned, if you're talking about a physical threat, that, that decision to go attack somebody or to pick up a weapon and defend your little tribe is a, is a weighty one. Now it's cheap. I get, I get to go attack somebody on my keyboard, on my phone, and it costs me nothing. There's no risk to me. So I can say all kinds of vile things, slander someone, and just throw that out there and no consequences, seemingly. Which is different than how it's been for the, the history of the world. So um, it's kind of this cheap, easy, tribalism that allows me to defend and attack in whatever way I see fit and then I just put it in my pocket move on with my life and then related is polarization without empathy or compassion so talked about a little bit with that echo chamber in, in my tribe like there, there's a lack of understanding there's a lack of a desire to understand anybody else's point of view often and so that leads to I don't care about what happens to them Okay, and, and going back to Mark's comment earlier, we're becoming more and more divided. And this is kind of a result of what's happening here. Letter C, we're gullible. So historically, not that our old, like the old guard, like information on TV or radio, not that they weren't ideologically driven, but they were a lot less than they are now. And they were the gatekeepers. So they a lot of conspiracy theories and these kinds of weird things that, that we hear now and see on TikTok or on Facebook or YouTube, whatever, they would not have seen the light of day historically. But now we've got all of these people who have a platform and have millions of followers who can just bypass all of that, the fact checking, right? And so we have... A, this tendency to believe the people we like, no matter what they say or how outlandish it is or how crazy it might sound, that guy would not lie to me. He just looks like an honest guy. Right? She said she's, that's happened to her. How could you disagree? Like, there's potential to believe all kinds of crazy things. And we're gullible to those things. We're not good. Not good. Yeah, we're running out of time. We're unhappy. A lot of social media is built around, and just think about ad, advertisements themselves. What are they designed to do? They're designed to create in you a dissatisfaction with what you have. And the answer is just buy this thing. Get this service. It'll change your life. That's what ads do. And then you've got social media, it gets on steroids, where you have these people who get on and make these commercials and they give you this unrealistic expectation, which is particularly hard for this when we go to think about the high schooler or the junior higher who is seeing 
these pictures of people who are just beautiful and wonderful and amazing and happy and all these things, and it's an unrealistic expectation and makes them unhappy. What do they do? They have to figure out a way to get like that. Okay. The other way would be it makes us envy other people, our neighbors who just got the new car and they're posting about it, or they're on the vacation that we wish we could be on, or they have the family that we wish that we could have. It feeds our envious, idolatrous hearts, and we become unhappy. We'll do one more, and then we'll finish it up next week. Anxious. This one was interesting. Uh, in the book, he talks about the difference between when he was in high school and the kind of performing that all everybody, when you go to high school, when you go around people as a young person, you are doing a type of performance. Especially, and he calls it the, the hallways. You know, you go to the hallway, what are you doing? You're trying to look cool because you're walking by everybody who knows who might see you and you're kind of performing. But when you went home, it was over. So in the lunchroom or in the hallways and at some other situations, but in class, you, I mean, you're, you're supposed to be listening and doing your work, so it's not it's a big deal thing, but hallways, cafeteria, you're performing and you're wondering what everybody's thinking about you and you're wondering how they're judging you and they're wondering what they're saying about you. And, and so that was your stage, your hallway and your cafeteria was your stage where you had to perform. But now the stage is, is everywhere with you and it's constant seeing what everybody thinks about me, seeing what they're commenting on my pictures or on my posts, and, and that leads to a, an anxiety-riddled young person. Is it kind of like, you're, like a movie star all the time? Like, the movie stars seem to be pretty anxious mm -hmm. about themselves all the time. And, the yeah, and, and this, you can go real deep with this, because he, he, the idea is, not only am I putting things out there about <laughs> me, about how I hope people will think of me, but I'm also like a spectator of my own performance, and my, I'm, I'm my own critic, and I'm hoping that everybody else likes me, and I'm also seeing their critiques of me. And, and it's, it is a, it's unhealthy, we'll just say that. It's not good. And it's not, in, again, not just junior high and high school, They're, that's the easy, obvious answer, but that is what that, that is a temptation for everyone who uses these things and even those who don't. So, anyway, so we'll stop there. We're going to come back. We'll finish these last couple of points and then we'll get into it. So, so what do we do now? All right? Thanks, everybody.